Hey everyone, Father John from the podcast. Hard to believe it's been 10 years since we first started this thing back in January of 2010. This January 11th, we're going to celebrate the 10th anniversary with a live podcast here in Denver. All the hosts will be there and we hope you can join us. It's going to be an 18 over event at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. If you'd like an invitation, we're going to send them out via paperless post. So send us your email at catholicstuffpodcast.com at gmail.com, and if you can do that before December 11th, we'd be really grateful for our planning purposes. Our friend Kat Gallagher, the one and only, will be there, and we hope you can meet her that night. And We look forward to celebrating with you, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you in January. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. What up? All right, round two. Catholic stuff you should know. Welcome to the podcast. Father John, Father Nathan, and the one and only Hans Olo, Father Michael O'Loughlin, who is now in the uh, he's in the cockpit, now there's a special but he's not, in, uh, he's not the co-pilot anymore. I got Father Nathan as the co-pilot. But one reason for that is because of his, his instinctive and intuitive theological genius, which I'm going to rely on heavily in the next 20 minutes. I'll be able to apply all of my <laughs> theological genius to this Dr. Father Nepple. Keep food before you always. My bene, the Bene Probatus, Gobel. Right. So uh, we are round two here tonight. We got Olo in town for a wedding this weekend. It's great to have oh, him with I, us, and I he's going to kind of bounce in and out here. I got to go to Lexio Divina in a few minutes, uh, which we do on Wednesday nights at 5.30, right? House father, and proud, I'm go- and I'm proud going, father of ten, and I'm going to Cafe Giordano uh, with Candy and Lou. Candy and Lou, very nice. Candy yeah. goes, "Can you come to dinner with us sometime?" And I'm like, "Sure." Like in a moment of weakness, and she's like, "We're going to take you to our favorite Italian place." And I'm like, "You're my favorite person ever." Cafe Giordano. I don't know. We'll see. Olo, you're back in town for the weekend. You're having meals, I'm sure, every meal out with people. Oh, true, yeah. What are the, what are the things? The What's the top place, three things? You yeah, wanna, the yeah. restaurants you miss the most, the food you miss the most here in Denver. Well, Other than jelly. Well, I was going to say that, okay. Other than jelly. Thanks. No, he can say jelly. A lot of people may not know about jelly. I had a guy say, he goes, he just started listening to the podcast. He goes, hey, are you sad that Olo's leaving? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're way far behind. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, jelly and then... Um, uh, Viale, my buddy's place, pizza place. Ah, uh, Viale, yeah. Viale yep. on Colorado. And then, other than people I have relationships with, let me just think of my favorite restaurant. Um, weed. Oh, you can get we that. got plenty of that in California, too. Well, what um, about, are you going to see the boys for a cigar on 6th? I am. I'm of actually going to surprise them. Nice. On Monday night, I'm just going to show up. Nice. They don't know I'm in town. Oh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, goodness. I mean, I'm I'm just a creature of habit, I guess. Those are my those are my two places. Although, I would. Nah, I'm gonna have to go with just two. That's it. Yeah, okay. Just, although I am gonna hit up like Steam, Steam. Aviano, some of my co- my old coffee. Old coffee just shops. Kind of get it out of my system. Yeah. That's good. Well, the most shocking thing you've said is that you haven't found a new coffee shop yet. But again, it took you a couple years to get to your coffee shop when right. you moved to Denver. So. Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. These things take time. Don't they, Nathan? It's like a mullet. You got to grow into it. That's true. People say, when are you going to grow back the mullet? I was like, the, the mullet took three years. And they were like, really? I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, it's not exactly a decision you just you know, come up with. I think Callie appreciated the suggestion that you do balayage with the mullet, though it's an absurd su- suggestion, I guess. It'd have to be really long. Let's but she, she kind of appreciated that. It, that's yeah. in the past. Yeah. Do not look to what is behind unless it's a lot of thick hair. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you just look like your dad with that cut right there. Dave Goebel still has a mullet, though. He's got a mini mullet. It's a mini mini, though. But it's yeah. just the, it's like the... the right, of, yeah. The fro that sits on top. I oh. got a very kind compliment from uh, Lydia Wilkie, uh, who in the middle of dinner, we were at this family's house. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to give them the mega shout out at the end. Um uh, but uh, they, like in the middle of dinner, she's like having a conversation, and then she goes, oh my gosh, you have nice hair. <laughs> like, you're the sweetest girl ever. Do you need a confirmation sponsor? <laughs> so, anywho. That is true. That's true. Yeah, uh, just a teaser. You would love Jen Wilkie. Jen Wilkie. 
Jen Wilkie. Uh, the original Jen Wilkie. Who is the original Jen Wilkie? OG. Je- OG. OGJ. Original <laughs> OG Jen. Um, she uh, was in focus with me. Eventually, through like a convoluted system, I met her brother-in-law and her sister at my parish at St. Joan of Arc. Now, this past weekend, I was farming, or excuse me, hunting, <laughs> like you're, hunting, you're very different, hunting at their farm in, uh, in Otis, Otis, Colorado. Otis. Jordan Wilkie, who's a podcast listener and a big fan of Steve Neppel, uh, your brother, Okay, um, uh, he married this uh, lady by the name of Jen Wilkie. Jen Wilkie was one of the few people that I actually had to defend myself verbally, uh, and I, it was like I was sparring with somebody who actually was somewhat like capable. She was like a yellow belt. <laughs> like I could have taken her out, but like it was actually like, wow, this is a like good we're workout. actually sparring. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but she got in a few shots, and I was like, Father John and her. Anybody who is an enemy to me. Father John immediately becomes friends with. That is true. And I and, guarantee you, and if, it's mutual. if I meet my, if I show, if I introduce him to my my sworn high school enemy, don't say his name. If, sworn <laughs> high school enemy, he, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, wait, you love that? Oh, I love that. Oh, what? What? You you use that hair care product? Oh my gosh, so do I. I'm like whatever. That's probably true, and it's exactly the same in reverse. That's the other then, thing, right? Kinda, well, no. All right, Jen Wilkie, I'm ready for... Hang ready. on a second. Friendship. There are some people that Whatever don't you like you. Do you need a spiritual director, Jen? No problem. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. No, there are some people, there are some people that, that don't like you, and, and, and you will admit, like, I, I'm, the, I'm the guard dog. Yeah, that's I true. Go I appreciate after that. I appreciate like, that. I mean, your mom got mad at a certain person because like, they didn't like you. I didn't have to say that. It doesn't yes. matter. It's still anonymous. And then, she, as it worked out, I I didn't get along with him either. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I know deep down you have my back. Did but every have, once in a while, people, do you have people in your family that you like rallied against, like for your for your brothers? You were the oldest, though. I literally, me and my brother, me and my best friend, when we were in high school, walked up to a uh, a kid <laughs> we, as he was getting off the bus in eighth grade. We were in we were in ninth grade. He was in eighth grade, getting off the school bus, and we were going to beat the heck out of him. But he, I mean, he did pull a, he pulled a loaded clip on my brother and said he had a gun as well. We don't know if he did. This is, this is my brother's in seventh grade, middle school. And so when I was in high school, we went there, and the kid wasn't on the bus. But we, I don't know. God, thank God he wasn't on the bus. I don't know what I would have done. But, yeah, no, I was. Was that Joseph? This, this same guy. This is Sean. Oh, that was Sean. And then the yeah, same Joseph's guy here. actually walked up to my sister, Therese, when she was two, found where Sean lived. They had been in a brawl. Found where Sean lived and walked up and lit Teresa's bangs on fire with a lighter. What? Oh yeah, I mean we were we were ready to throw down. What? That's kid, crazy. This is typical. The kid, Whoa, the kid, Albuquerque. 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 <laughs> the, the kid ended up um, being the lookout for his friend who murdered someone at an Albertsons and stole the entire safe full of money. Oof. So the guy went to into juvie for until we lost track of it. But yeah, we were about to throw down this kid, and thank God it didn't happen. He wasn't on the bus, or I would have probably been in bigger trouble than I was. That is crazy. Folks, yeah, the, we if, back. We have each other's backs. Yeah, if you, we know that's true. If you want, you can just you know uh, fill out you know your scorecard at home. That is Olo for like the fifteenth time, <laughs> like completely dominating in terms of. Hey, uh, let me ask an innocuous question. Oh yeah. Oh wait. He tried to do that, and we were gonna kill him, but you know we didn't. But then we didn't. Let me tell you this story that's way better than every story that ever happened exactly. in Mountain Zion, Illinois. Right. So I don't think though any companion has defended me as vigorously as Goebel has. We were in Breckenridge. All of us were there. And this girl left her charger in in the wall right behind my seat. We were all the companions were sitting there. And so I saw her party leave. And then we left. I saw, when I stood up to leave, I saw her charger still plugged into the wall. So I got up to give it to her. And she was in this group of people. And I kind of had to like push her people out of the way to hand it to her. And her boyfriend must have seen me like tapping her on the shoulder. And he whipped around with this look on his face like he was about to beat the heck out of me. And Goebel sees the look on his face and comes barreling over, like, ready to defend me. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay. And I, I'm telling the guy, like, dude, I have her charger. Like, shit. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you. But I thought Goebel was about to rip this guy's head off. I was like, no, he's yeah. a good, He's a good wing, man. He's a good wing. He's a good wing. Well, we'll give him that. But Jen Wilkie, thank you for sticking it to the global because he gets away with so much, I mean? I mean? so much bull jive. It's not even funny. All right, I'm because gonna... he throws these long locks at you, and his charm, I'm his giddy ask... charm. I'm going to ask you. And a what question. does he say? I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to determine whether or not you're on the side of Jen Wilkie. Is it mayonnaise or, may- or Miracle Whip? 
Mayonnaise for sure. You just you just you just unlocked the key to her heart. Oh man. Jordan Wilkie. Miracle Jordan, Whip is disgusting. Jordan it's one of the worst <laughs> things ever made. <laughs> Jordan Wilkie, God bless him. He's one of the few people that is standing up for Miracle Whip right now. Oh, I tried God. I tried to rehabilitate him. Sometimes I use Miracle Jordan, Whip for tuna salad. Give it up, Jordan. Most of the give time it up. it's mayonnaise. It's terrible. The fact that it still exists is it's an abomination. It's the one it's a with shame. the zip. <laughs> it's the one with the zip. That's how we defended it. No, it's terrible. It was a great conversation. All right, Which Jen leads Wilkie. us into a different conversation. Well, no, before we get to that, I want to say Jen Lozier. I had a great, I got to see her a week ago. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but town? all of her friends listen to the podcast oh. from Seattle. She was in for the Lyle wedding. Oh, that's great. Lindsay Lyle's wedding. And this is one of these people that just like you're always interested and you want to get to know, but the occasion and the circumstances just never happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not any ill will or anything. It just never happened. And then all of a sudden, here we are at this wedding rehearsal and we don't know anybody. So it's like, this is fantastic. Like, get to talk to Jen Lozier. She has the unfortunate name of Loser, but in the German, Lozier, you know. What does Lozier mean? Uh, I don't know. Well, Illusion is the redemption, right? So maybe it's like a deeply Christian name. I don't know. Just put that out there. Anybody who knows German is just cringing right now. Jen is a sweet girl. So yeah, so all these Jens. But Jen Wilkie, you know. Jen have Gobel have Gobel call my people and we'll uh you know Oh yeah. I just I was like I was like as she's just tearing into me for like no reason at five forty five in the morning. Like I'm this defenseless creature. Five forty oh, this is hunting. This is hunting, yeah. She was our she was our liaison for the hunting. Liaison. In in a part like our you know yeah, hospitality. I, no, I, I wanted to make that sound weirder than it was. She, uh, but <laughs> the, she at like five forty five in the morning. She's like giving me garbage, and I'm just like, wow, like we're doing this right now. Yeah, like I didn't go in for the throat punch, but I was just like, all right, here we go. No, I love it. I, I think there are certain people that just meet you and just realize this guy deserves a lot more than he's ever gotten. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to settle the account personally at 5.45 in the morning on a Monday. Yeah, and and just so you know, like podcast land, there is a club. My brother's the president. Father John is the co-president. And now Jen Wilkie's the treasurer. Anybody else that wants to get in on this, like, you know, let's beat up on Father Nathan. You are welcome to join. But you know what? I got a veritable army, okay? (laughs) And they are miscreants, and I freaking love them. And they're 85 years old, and they live at that... He's rallying them. <laughs> the he's, make, star. he's making them drinks at the Morning Star. Exactly. Mixing them cocktails. Yeah, I did a happy hour for 85-year-old people at Morning Star in Arvada, and I was mixing uh, brandy old-fashioned sweets, and oh my gosh, there was a wild group of people there. Did I ta- did, did we talk about this in the podcast? Um, watching my nephews grow up, this is one of the best things ever. And watching the dynamics of number one, number two, and number three. Did we talk about this already? Number one, of course, it's like, I'm gonna. I have to be perfect. Mom and Dad want me to be perfect. I'm gonna be perfect. He's on that pursuit. I'm like, God bless you. You're gonna end up like me, you know, and uh, you'll figure it out eventually. Number two, at age four, jettisons the whole project of perfection, even of self growth. Right? He just says, you know what? Screw it. That guy's gonna be perfect. I'm not gonna be that guy. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna be the lover. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna love on everyone all the time, and I'm gonna get what I want. By manipulating people through my love. Right? This is the kid, Micah, age four, who says to Andrea, right, our consecrated virgin friend, comes over and he goes, Hey, you, get over here and kiss me on the lips. <laughs> he says that to her. It was like, Oh, man. So Micah has become totally a lover. And I was like, This is, I'm watching Goebel's childhood right here. Actually, Mike is the oldest. And, and it's just like, This is unbelievable. That, that is true because Kristen Blessy was our babysitter, and she was like 16 years old, super cute. And I, I was probably like around four or six years old, and I said, she's like, she's like um, you know, you need to go to bed. And I think I told her at six years old, I would go to bed a lot faster if you kissed me goodnight. <laughs> and she did. And then I just said, well, you called my bluff. I'm off the bed. It's gone. I said, that was great. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like I'm understanding you as a middle child watching this kind of develop. And then the third, oh, man, alive. This kid is going to be an animal. What number? You're number one. Number one. Sean's number two. Yep. And then Christopher. Christopher's number three. Now tell me if Christopher was like this. Number three, number one is like, yes, I'm going to be perfect. Number two is like, screw it, I'm not going to be number one. Number three is kind of like, if I'm going to get the scraps of anything, I got to fight. He's like the fighter. He is like, this kid is just, he knows exactly. He's got he's to literally go for everything. And I think this is a distinct lineup when you have three boys. Because yeah. our family was, 
two boys and a girl, same with you guys. Um, that's different. That kind of offsets things. But when you have boy, 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 I wonder if it was similar for you. You guys have like I'm like this. This is going to be the 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 bruiser on the hockey team number three. So we, we had an interesting situation because I I I was kind of the slacker, and Sean and Christopher number two and three were are definitely the mature ones, the ones who put all the work in. Um, but there was definitely a they pitted me against them, and it was me and the two little ones, Teresa and Joseph, the two youngest of the five, against them. So it, it, it kind of flipped in a way of I, I was the protector, but I was definitely not the most mature. Ah, uh, interesting. The slack, slacker protector. Wasn't that because you weren't, you weren't like, you're like mom kind of starved you, <laughs> so you were like the runt? Is that right? Be careful. You've been in trouble with Olo's mom before I, I, on this podcast. It's dangerous, I, I, I know. I know. I probably did share this. Yeah, my mom says that she told me that I, that the conventional wisdom when I was born in 78 was that you feed your kid like every two hours. By the time Sean was born, a year and a half later, who's six inches taller than me, <laughs> you just feed them whatever they want to eat. So it was the conventional wisdom that she would she would feed me every two hours. Because she thought that was healthy. It was the conventional wisdom. I'm fine. I'm just short. And I have no hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a big head. But other than that, yeah. I'm fine. Other than that, you got a great beard. Ostensibly. Those Ostensibly. are the things that we can observe. But right. there are other things. That we will never know. Oh, that's funny. All right. No. She's, she's a great mom. I know. Now start backpedaling. All right. To the topic. You have, Ragazzi. by the way, you I got have, I got twelve minutes. I'm watching the clock. Father John is going to introduce a topic and then he's going to walk away. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce a topic. We've never done this before. I'm going to start this the is class. The last time that we're going to do it. I'm going to start the class and then Ola's going to take my seat. I'm going to hand you the book. You guys know this stuff. You know this. No, I'm not doing this. Yes, you're doing it. Then you got another topic. No, not right now. No, I know you don't. So we got to do this, right? So think about this. I'm going to talk for twelve minutes. You guys talk for twelve minutes. Basta. Okay. Shout outs yeah, and it's there we over. Go. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. I can Sorry? Are you going to listen to our... Yeah, I want to hear it. Oh, I definitely want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. I bet yeah. you want to hear it. I want to hear it. Oh, yeah. So this topic is called Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. Mind the is, Gap. Which is from what? Britain. Mind the Gap. London. Between the platform and the car, right? My seminarians had no idea what that was when I told them this. Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. You hear this all over London when you get on the tube, as they say. The tube. We no? can just pass that over. So when you get on the subway, mind the gap. And the point of this is to say the uh, the gap that I want to talk about, this is tied into priesthood, and I'm holding this wonderful book in my hand called The Christian State of Light by... Von Balthazar, sorry. Anzers von Balthazar. Oh, he's already asleep. I have to give a paper on Friday on this topic, and so I wanted to grab one little piece out of it. I, you're lucky I don't have the paper in front of me. Doodaloop. My guess is, I haven't heard this topic, but it's going to be on the gaping disparity. Bingo. That's it. Shocker. We haven't done this topic. We haven't done this topic. It's really good. So two weeks I'm ago, glad. two weeks ago, we did a topic on um, the scandal, scandal, which was hard, and we got some amazing feedback. I don't know about you, but I got just beautiful emails and, and uh, texts from friends uh, who would listen to it, and, and just a lot of wonderful uh, a lot of wonderful responses from people. So, uh, and then this last week with Olo here, we talked about just kind of some kind of random existential musings on the life of the priest and trying to kind of be in the world and what is that like. And then this is kind of the third counterpart to it to say, well, what is exactly, what's at the heart of the priestly life? I have to give a talk on Friday in front of some of the world's experts of Balthazar, this is terrifying, on his vision of priestly spirituality. And at the heart of his vision of priestly spirituality... Von Balthasar's, is what we're going to talk about today, which is this gaping discrepancy between office and person. Person. Okay. Father Nathan is nodding his head because he's heard this. I don't know if you've heard this before. No, I'm actually glad you're doing the podcast on it. I'm kind of sad that you can't finish it. I know, and I'm sorry about that. You literally have a deacon. Just just tell him to do Lexio. Do you want to run upstairs and tell the deacon real quick? Yeah, we'll tell him to just start it. And yeah, I'll, just tell I'll, him to start it. Yeah, he, he's Look, by the kitchen. Your dad is your dad's drinking and talking to his brothers. Okay, he can't hey, be, Olo, can't be around all the time. I'm sorry, I can't go to your tell softball him I'll be there game. Fifteen minutes. I'll be fifteen minutes late. Okay. Thank you. This it's is a good just, topic. It's a good topic. Is it gaping disparity or gaping discrepancy? Discrepancy. Ooh, we've been saying disparity. We've been, dispar- we've been saying disparity, but where are you going? That's not a door. <laughs> sorry, you got to go the other way. That way. That way out, it's a maze. Okay. All the way down by the kitchen. Find him. His name is Deacon Kevin. I don't care where you are. I will find you. 
Okay, so uh, page 269 of Christian State of Life. We all know this as companions. First edition. Olo's looking at me like he's never heard this before. Yeah, but this is helpful. This is helpful. Go past the bathroom, dude. Literally, he can't even find himself out of this box. <laughs> this is a Californian, people. This is kind of, It's kind of amazing. Did you make it out? Oh, yeah, okay. He was literally going out into six. <laughs> okay, I want to just take a moment for a second. How many people are actually like missing Olo's just wild? You know what I mean? Like he's just, he is sui generis. He's that sui is, generis. That is Olo for sure. Yeah, unlike you, who's not sui generis. Agreed. It's great to have him back. It's great to have him back. He is the worst at communication. I thought you were the worst. Yeah, it's he's true. way worse. He, he, listen, folks, he's gone to California. <laughs> Does he call? Does he write? Nothing. We hear nothing. Like, we had to actually call him just to be like, are you alive? Did the fire consume you? Yeah. Yep. We're catching up on things. Right. Part of this is guys. Then, literally, did did I tell you? I'm hunting yesterday. I get a text. Hey, by the way, can I stay at your house? (laughs) Like, I mean, like, can can I sleep at your house? I'm like, of course you can sleep at my house. Right. But, like, I mean, you knew you were coming for however many weeks. Right. He doesn't call. He lives in the moment. He's down at on the 30 or whatever, you know? What's the name of his right, place? Right, the 101 or whatever. Uh, the 101. All right, we All better right, go into gaping, this because we still don't have time. Gaping discrepancy. The Fire gaping away. discrepancy. Okay, 269. So, so what we're talking about here is uh, at the heart of the priest's life and priestly spirituality and the reason why the scandal was so upsetting. As much as we want to say Denver Public School teachers have the same number of you know uh, problems with pedophilia or whatever, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really upsetting Clerical scandal, clerical abuse, clerical lack of holiness in every century yeah. is extremely difficult mm-hmm. because of the intrinsic structure of the priestly state. There's something about the way priests the, that Christ established the priesthood that makes it more difficult uh, to accept the fact that there is sin and scandal in these things. Now, for every Christian, their sins are a scandal to the world, and we've talked about this. But in a specific way, the priest is because of what he represents in Christ. And that's what Balthazar is hitting on, and that's what we're talking about, mind the gap. The gaping discrepancy. Clever, don't you think? I think it's a good one. Okay. Do you want to start with the quote, or you want to start with the story? The story captivates people. Let's start with the story. This is a beautiful story, actually. On Sunday, I was back at Queen of Peace, my old parish. Nice. I haven't been there in five years. Did you show up? No, it was Deb and Jerry Cable's 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, nice. Deb Cable was my right hand. Right. She she took care of me. Uh, we ran RCA together, marriage prep. She was amazing. She was just fantastic. I inherited her from Sister Sharon, and uh, who was my predecessor in this position. And uh, so I was really honored to be back, celebrate the Mass, be back. I saw a lot of people I didn't see. Some of them, you're like, you're still alive, you know? Right. There's one, she was like 94. Thank you. When I left, I was like, Wow. You know, but then others sadly had died that I, I didn't know about and these things. So it was great to be back. I'm standing in line after mass. This couple comes up to me, and they and I don't recognize them at all. And they say, "Father, we're so happy to see you. We didn't know you'd be here, but we never thought we'd be able to tell you the story." And I was like, "Okay." The wife is speaking. The wife, husband, couple kids, and she says, "I had a terrible experience with you in the confessional." And afterwards, I walked out and I left the church for a year. I didn't go to Mass for a year. And I was like, okay, here we go. And she said, what happened was, we were talking. I had no memory of any of this. And she said, I manifest to you that I was divorced and remarried and married outside of the church. And you told me no. You said no. You said it in a very gentle way, in a loving way, trying to support me, but saying we can't finish this confession and uh, you can't receive communion and uh, we got to work this out. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you do that, but just, you know, come by and, and, and call me and, and we'll set up a time to talk and, and begin this process. I can explain more, but um, she says, and you said no. And I walked out and I was furious and I left the church for a year. And I was like, that's intense. And she says, but what happened was, this is so, this is like one of the most beautiful things anybody's ever said to me. She said, Because you said no, it forced me to reflect upon the state of my life, the state of our marriage, and it forced me to realize that our marriage was a a mess, and it was built on a faulty foundation, and it was destined to ruin. 
And she says, and, it, and so it began this process of kind of self-knowledge, of self-discovery, of conversation, of counseling. And it led to, eventually, us saying, we need to pursue the annulment. It'll help us to, uh, to find healing. Her husband, who's not Catholic, begins to investigate into the faith and say, well, what exactly is this annulment thing and what is this that we're talking about? And, and you guys, as you guys know from the parish, there's quite possibly nothing more difficult than explaining why a non-Catholic needs an annulment, right? This is very right. difficult. Yeah. They look at you like you have a third eye in your forehead. So he begins investigating in. Well, he joins RCA. Two years later, he becomes Catholic. A year after that, their annulment fu- pulls through. I presume Father Felix or whoever it was, the priest, convalidates their marriage, and she says to me, today... God is at the center of our marriage and our life. The faith is at the center of everything. We've rebuilt our life on Christ, and it was all because you told us no. And I was like, damn, it's good to be a priest, right? And uh, I realized in that moment, what happened was not me and not my sanctity or whatever, or my virtue, but that it was Christ working through the office of the priest, Right? That it was his grace communicating in the confessional. It was Jesus working through us. And we call that the office of priesthood or the ministry, the priestly ministry. But it's objective in the sense that it's not us. It's not me. Sure, he uses me, and there's a subjective element. But the priesthood is configured in an objective consecration. Right, We're given an office, and we bear that office, and we live that out. And that's what our ministry is as priests. And that's what she experienced. She experienced Jesus. She didn't experience, Father John's a great guy. She might not have ever seen me again. She happened to see me. I don't even know who she is or who this family is. I will probably never see them again. But the office of Jesus worked to restore and perfect, sanctify, and elevate their marriage and their lives. And it, now they're on this trajectory for heaven. And it's not because of me. And again, I have no idea who that is. It's the same thing I experienced when I was... 18 years old, and I walked into the confessional for the first time, possibly ever, and the priest absolved me and led me back to Christ. I have no idea who that priest is. It doesn't particularly matter who he is. The subjectivity was at the service of the office, right, of the ministry, and that's the glory and the beauty of priesthood, right? That's crazy, because actually I don't think there's any way for you to ever uh, find out who that priest is. Because he could, yeah, I won't. He, he could be a podcast listener, and he can't even say anything. Yep. Because in some way, he would connect you to the sin. Yeah. So, forget it. Forget about it. And that was almost twenty years ago. So it's good. that's one of these things that will be revealed in heaven. And I came in late to your story, but I, I think it's not only did she encounter Jesus, but she encountered him through the the teachings and the canons of the church. I mean, there's something about the wisdom of the, of right. the greater church that you were manifesting as a priest. Like you, you were in a sense a slave to the church in a in a beautiful way. So that you, she, you were the lightning rod for her. She struck out at you and left the church because of what you said. But it was, she was really striking out because of what the church said. And the church, which is the body of Christ, brought her back. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, it was amazing. And, and there, are, and for any priest listening to this, you remember this is this happens a lot. We don't always get to see this or hear that story reflected back to us, but it happens a lot where the office of priests plays out and Christ really is communicated to people in their lives. I mean, how many times, guys, have we gotten up and given what we thought was the worst homily ever, and somebody, it was exactly what they needed, and they tell you that, and they're in tears after Mass or whatever. I mean, how many times has that happened to us, right? Happened again on Sunday, it's just like... Um, and so the office of priest is, is a real thing. We're not just these kind of guys who are really devoted to Jesus who get up there and kind of just commit ourselves and our personal uh, mission is to, uh, to be all about the, the mission of Christ. We're actually given an office whereby Christ is able to objectively communicate himself through us despite our humanity. That's why in the fifth century, fourth and fifth century, when... Um, the uh, Donatists are saying in North Africa, we need to get rid of all these these priests who have apostatized and who are failures and who are sinners. And St. Augustine is the one who really works out for us. Grace continues to work through the sacraments despite the unworthiness of the office holder, yeah. of the priest himself. Yeah, and thanks be to God for that, even in our day and age. Oh, yeah. That they've already, that they've already dealt with this question. 
And for that reason, I think that this notion of Ambalta that I'm going to read here in a second is the response to the scandal. Because what it says to me is it, it acknowledges the failures of priesthood. It's not just a couple of freaks who did horrific things, which is true, it is. But it's all of us who are indicted in the same failure, which is to say that our persons and our subjectivity, our own personal holiness, never, ever can be accounted to or added to or equal to the objective office of Christ the priest that is experienced and lived out through our life. And that is what Balthazar calls the gaping discrepancy. Mind the gap between the office and the person. Mm -hmm. That's the call of the priest in a post-scandal church. I I want you to read the quote so that we can get on to waxing on it. Why don't I read the quote to you? Because I I have a thought on the gap. On the gap. On the gap. I think it's helpful for them to, to hear it. Okay, here we go. You ready? This is page 268 into 269 in this wonderful book called The Christian State of Life, which I highly recommend everybody to read. It's only like 600 pages long, but it's great. Here we go. The priestly existence, as we have seen in the example of Peter in the last chapter, is definitively rooted in the gaping discrepancy between office and person, and thus in an ethos that stems radically from humility and is kept alive by the constantly renewed humiliations that manifest and actualize the lasting imparity between official dignity and personal personal accomplishment. In his effort to be worthy of his office and, in the process, increasingly to sacrifice and submerge his subjectivity, the priest can expect as his only reward the consciousness not that he has become equal to the office, but that the office has been able to succeed in him despite his inadequacies. In the ethos of the priest, the contrast between office and person is dominant to the end, a static dualism that no existential effort can overcome or weaken. And here's the key, the last line. His gift of self has primarily the form of humility. Balthazar. There's nothing better. The guy's amazing. What those people experience, what that woman experienced in the confessional was precisely this, right? The off, not that I was equal to the office, because I wasn't. Frankly, as a confessor, I mean, I was like, it was just like hordes and hordes of people coming to Queen of Peace. It was like the lines were just constantly out the door. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was yelling at people. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't a good, I wasn't just St. John Vianney in there. That's for damn sure, okay? But what happened was I wasn't equal to the office, but and as Balthazar says, the office had been able to succeed in me despite my inadequacies. And that's the miracle of the priesthood. That's the miracle of it. And that's why humility becomes the form of self-gift for the life of the priest. His, it, at the, the, the literal structure, the inner structure of our priestly existence presupposes that we be configured to Christ in a, in a very humble way because we assume something objectively in the sacrament, in orders, on that day of our ordination that we can never, ever accomplish on our own. It's irreconcilable. No matter how much we think we can work hard, have due penance, have all this prayer, commit our lives to this perfect priestly life, no, no priestly way of life is ever equal to the office of Christ and his priesthood. And we live that out. And that's the, that's the gap. Mind it. Go ahead. So, uh, in terms of the gap, like, I mean, because you're talking about, did you call it the tube? Tube. Well, that's how Br- ink, the Brits say it. Tube. The tube. You know what I'm talking about, Olo. Yeah. Yeah, the I've, tube. I've the never, tube is the nickname I've, of the subway. Right. So, in order for the tube to move, in order for the subway oh, to move, you, you actually need to have a gap, which I think is important because, specifically for moments like this, when you at, you have personal sinfulness in an objectively holy office. Yeah. And so marriage can be holy, but the persons themselves fall short. Priesthood is holy, but in in some sense objectively falls short. So I think it's important because at times people equate priesthood with holiness. And I, while I think it's important at times to distinguish 
why is priesthood or religious life capable of imparting a different degree of holiness? Um, it doesn't mean that just because someone's a priest or just because someone is a nun means that they're holy. Right. The, the holiness, in some sense, moves through us because of the gap. If it was uh, synonymous, then in some sense, I become, I become Jesus the priest. So in everything that I do, I'm Jesus the priest, which is dangerous because then that becomes your favorite word, clericalism, wherein I deserve this right. because I'm, I'm a priest. priest. Yeah, exactly. Why should you get up to get me a sandwich? <laughs> I'm Jesus the priest. <laughs> Don't you want to serve the priest? Right. You know? And then I think there's a real danger in that. Yeah. So I think Jesus has ordained it this way in part so that his holiness could move through us, but we should try to close the gap. Right. It is true. We'll never completely close it, but I think in some way we should make it so that it would be easier for people to get off the train to, to have a smaller gap than to say, well, then there's Jesus and then there's me. Right. One of the things that I loved was um, on Padre Pio's feast day, praying in your chapel, because Father Hellstrom gave you uh, an image of him saying Mass, and you put it on your altar. And I was saying Mass, and it was like this living contrast between my recollection, my union with Christ, or lack of, I should say, and looking at Padre Pio's face as he celebrated Mass. And we, we really believe that when you close the gap, there's a deepened sanctification and efficacy of the sacraments that is affected. Like, when you go to holier priests for confession, there's a, there's a greater outpouring of grace. There's always an outpouring of grace in the sacrament of confession, but there's a, there's a, it's deepened. And the, the whole point of this paper that I'm giving on Friday is to say that for von Balthasar, the tension, this dualism, this, this, um, this polarity that he talks about between office and person we have to work our whole life to close it. And the, sub, and the way we do that is by subjectively closing the gap to the objective office and through the Evangelical Council's poverty, chastity, and obedience. And the whole reason for this is because the apostles were called to live the councils before they were made priests. And so priests intrinsically are required. There's a demand, an exigency on them that says you have to live the councils as a response of self-gift. And that's what's different than the religious life. Religious life is constituted by that. The lay state is, is also invited to live the evangelical councils in spirit, right? according to their state. And there's something about that. Today's gospel, if you do not renounce, it's all about if you don't hate mother and father. This is strong language. Read the Greek. It's actually hate. Because it's if you don't renounce everything. And Father Mike Rapp gave a beautiful homily years ago about this. Renunciation, the Greek word, means uh, to bid farewell. If you don't bid farewell to everything that is yours, all of your possessions, you're not worthy to be my disciple. That's for everybody. That's for every married person, every single person, uh, everyone who's listening to this podcast. And I think that as priests, we understand that because on the day of our ordination, we're objectively configured to Christ in this office, and we spend the rest of our lives trying to subjectively close the gap. Ultimately irreconcilable, but as you said, the, the smaller the gap, the easier it is for people to experience the transparency of the love of Christ as it flows through the sacraments. Mm -hmm. As another final thing I'd say, and then i got to go here shortly. I'll let you guys finish off if you want. Lay people, mind the gap. Because what I think happens in priesthood is that you kind of you get two different kinds of people. You get people who want... Father John be the office, or Father John, aka Johnny, sure, be yeah. the person exactly. And you you don't you collapse the gap because you don't want to deal with both. So it's like just come over to our place. We got this great bourbon. We'll watch some football. I just want you to relax and be just be one of us, you know. And it's like, well, that's nice. I appreciate it. But I'm also a priest. And then you got other people who are like horrified by the fact that you do this podcast and you drink and you you know you go to the, you go to these bars and you whatever. You're, you, they don't want you to be a person. They don't want you to be human. Just be the perfect priest that I have on my pedestal right. that I impose all of my own kind of spiritual aspirations onto. 
And don't ever think about coming down from that right. because you have to be that. And it's like that is the problem. So kind of mind the gap with your priests, especially with your priest friends. Goble, you're stroking the uh, microphone. Well, I'm just thinking because I was, I was saying this uh, to that family, the Wilkies, because sometimes people want priests uh, like, you know, they want a petting zoo. Like they want, they want to see an exotic animal up close and personal, <laughs> uh, but they have no interest in actually welcoming that animal any further into their lives. It's just like, you kind of stay where you are, like allow me to kind of perceive it in a very limited way, but then you just sort of go away. I don't want to see anything of the humanity of your life. I only want to receive the clean, uh, saccharine, religious, holy impression that you portray to me. Right. And uh, I, I think there are moments for that, and I'm grateful for that, but uh, sometimes I don't even have an answer for people. I mean, I had somebody uh, write me the other day, and they said our daughter had a... She had another panic attack, and I'm like, I surrender everything to you, Jesus, because like literally, I'm I'm not, I have no words. Yeah, and uh, sometimes that's really difficult because uh, even as a priest, I don't have a playbook. Right, I don't have a manual. I don't just say, oh yeah, you're you're dealing with code, you know, PC load letter. That's what you need to. That's how you need to overcome this problem. Yeah. I'm like, no, I, I, I don't know what to tell you other than uh, pray for deeper faith. And I think that the uh, the priest who lives in the, the gaping discrepancy, who, who really, his heart is conformed to this humility, he doesn't feel the pressure to have to answer that. He just says, you, you do what you can. Remember that great line from Garansky? Sure. Tells you, you do what you can. Sure. And, uh, and I, I just think that there's so much freedom in this, in in this vision of... Uh, of the gap, minding the gap, you know, being aware of that, living in relationship to that. But it also brings a great challenge, especially as, and going back to the oldest child thing here, as a final kind of personal antidote, like how can I spend my life attempting to do something that I cannot ever accomplish? I know in advance I will never accomplish this, that the gap between office and person is literally irreconcilable, which means to spend my life subjectively conforming myself I will never actually perfect the act. That is, that's a torturous thing for Mike Goebel or for Father John Neppel, for, I guess, Father Michael Lachlan in his own weird, phlegmatic, kind of slacker way. This is difficult for us. But the beautiful thing is that the more that we do it, the more there's freedom and, the, the, and that we, we get to see some of the fruitfulness of it. And I'll just share this last line that really struck me from Balthazar. He said, because of the the priest is called by the very nature of his office to an exclusivity of service. He must renounce any oasis of private existence or interest reserved solely for himself. No priest can ever say he has done enough. The inevitable comparison between his office and the life of the councils brings face to face with the ethos of the evangelical state. The more of his own substance he gives to his service, the more of it will be used for the fruitfulness of that service. And that is what makes it worth it. Because we get to experience that. I got to experience that on Sunday. When I saw that this couple is is literally being converted to Jesus through the office of the priest, despite my inadequacies as a confessor, you say, it's worth it. Let's close the gap. That's it. There's something about, I love that line of always developing like a greater appreciation for it. When Jesus says, "You, the poor you will always have with you, I think that there, there's something about the priesthood to say, I will always be like the poor because I will always be encountering people who don't understand that gap and who don't understand um, don't understand that they're looking for one or the other, either the personal relation with Michael O'Loughlin or the, the ideal of Father Michael O'Loughlin, whatever it is with each of us. There's something about that there's always we'll encounter new people in new assignments, whatever it is, that don't understand that. And there's something about saying, I am willing until the day I die to be in that place of confusion, that place of gray, and, and kind of pointing at that gap and saying, you know, I, I'm going to be pointing at this, even though I... I exhaust myself in zeal to, to shorten the gap, it'll always be seen. And right. there's something about saying, if, if we will always have the poor with us, then we are one of those poor, and we will always have that discrepancy, even though we're fighting to do it. And there's there's something beautiful about pointing at it 
um, and saying, you know, don't cling to me or to my priesthood, but of course cling to Christ in our ministry. There's no black and white. It is gray. That's why I'm going to write a biography of Goebel called Fifty Shades of Gray, the story of Father Nathan. Oh, horrible. <laughs> the, um, oh gosh, that comment made me like vomit in my mouth, and then now I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Darn it. Look what you did, you little jerk. We got to uh, wrap remember. this up. I got to go to prayer with these guys. Speaking of the Listen, gap. You just you, you go into the guys and you just say, look, guys, there's a gaping discrepancy between the formator I want to be and the man that I am. Okay? Uh, I, I literally can't remember it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll remember it at the end, but that's... Rarely do I stun you like that. That like, was, that I, was I stunning. Stun, I, I thought it was you. actually going to be a catchy title. I stunned you. Like, um, well, anyways, I, I'll tell you what. Th- this goes into my shout-out. It's a great, co- this a great podcast. I, I really appreciate it. I, I can't believe we haven't done that one yet. No. Oftentimes, we think that we've done it. This is the problem. Sometimes we do podcasts. Sometimes we do daily mass homilies. Sometimes <laughs> we do papers. And then we forget, like, did I preach on this? Did right, I do right, a podcast right, yeah. on this? And we can't remember. So right. um, anyways, so I think it is important for people to remember that um, we, are, we are trying, but it will never, it will never be perfect. And, and that's okay, you know, like the struggle is actually, um, I think, conducive to our own walk with Christ, where we depend on him for everything. That's what I was saying. The last, the, 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 the scandals came out on the weekend of the, the gospel where it says, Jesus told this parable to every person who wished to justify themselves and despised everyone else. And he tells a story about a bad priest. He tells a story about a bad Pharisee. Because the guy says, I do all of these things. I'm so great. I'm glad I'm not like this other guy. But the other guy actually recognizes there's a gaping discrepancy between himself and God. And he says, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Whereas the the priest or the Pharisee says, I do all these things. Look at all these things that I do. None of it matters. You got to mind the gap. You got to acknowledge that uh, we're in need. We still, we're this miracle of grace. So that's enough. Good job. Bastikosi. Bastikosi. This is the name of my, uh, uh, I'll tell you the name of my biography. So, uh, going back to the Wilkie family. So, if you followed this from before, I went hunting on the farm of uh, the Wilkie family in Otis. Otis. Otis, the conqueror. The, um, the unblemished. The, uh, at their, so, Jordan Wilkie is a podcast listener. Jordan uh, is in a combine. He farms uh, wheat and Milo um, in Otis, Colorado, and is the president and founder of Wheatland Corporation. He married Jen Wilkie, and they went to CU Boulder, were married at Sacred Heart of Mary in Boulder. They were students, and at the time they were run by the Paulus, St. Thomas, but then they got married, they ended up going to Sacred Heart of Mary, etc., etc. Jen Wilkie, uh, the, the, the sister-in-law, was focus, etc., I was with the Jordan. In the course of our conversation, um, Jen asked me, do you like uh, mayonnaise on your sandwich? And I said, oh, yeah, love the mayonnaise. And she's like, oh, yeah, you like the meat lotion. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? 37 years old. And she says, uh, oh, yeah, we call, uh, we call mayonnaise in this house meat lotion. I'm like, thank God. That's brilliant. So there you go, meat, meat lo- lotion. Meat lotion, the intimate biography of Father Nathan Goble. Now we're talking. So much better. Anyways, so to uh, Jordan and Jen, to Leland, the dad who made all of this possible. He's a great holy man. Um, and then to their children, Jack, Lydia, and uh, Jack, Maddie, Lydia, and Avery. Oh, thank God I remember Nailed all it. of them. Um, they are a delight. Um, and uh, it was an awesome time to be with them. And uh, so I told him, I give him a shout out. The last thing that I would encourage you to, right now, Jack Wilkie did a uh, YouTube video on farming with a drone. Huh. And uh, he edited it himself. It took over 40 hours. Right now, he's at 320 views. I hope to get him up to 321 views. That's right. Um, so uh, look up Jack Wilkie, W-I-L-L-E-K-E. Jack Wilkie, uh, I don't know. Farming by Drone. Farming by Drones. Um, and uh, it's on YouTube, so check it out. Can you pronounce that uh, Polish name to me? 
Which one? It says, so that this is a shout out from Beatrice Sullivan. I know we're not supposed to do this, but friends, you know, close yeah, friends ask. Probably uh, uh, Sitchevich. Sitchevich. Okay. Sitchevich. Gregory, I have been wanting to. Oh, sorry, Ger- Garrett. Sitchevich. I've been wanting to uh, give you a shout out. Uh, converted with his uh, newly bride a year ago, now a lead teacher and program manager of the first class of the just started classical high school, Chester Academy of Our Lady of Victory here in Denver, Colorado. And uh, he listens to the podcast. I've been so intimidated by your last name, I didn't want to shout it out. So I knew Goebel, who's kind of a wordsmith, would work it out. Maybe. Big Tree Podcast, thanks for the shirts, boys. Anthony Ferguson and co. We appreciate it. Goebel, you got that. He sent only extra larges. So. And then lastly, yeah. Jen Wilkie, I just want to shout you out. Just what an amazing woman. Outstanding model, mother, friend. Here's the thing. She doesn't even listen to the podcast. It doesn't she matter. She doesn't even listen. Jordan, I mean, you're being sanctified. That's it. God bless you. Catholic Stuff Podcast at Gmail. Do we want to tell them anything about the merch? Oh, yeah. We got t shirts. Buy them. We got t shirts. Here's the deal, folks. <laughs> I don't know what, what size the t shirts go up to. Do you know? I think XL. That's it? Double XL. I can't even fit in those. All we got, right. We got one request for a. We got a, we got a podcast listener that I think is a 6XL. <laughs> I want to make that possible, okay? So I want, if you can't get the podcast t-shirt because you are on the plus size of women or men, right? You enjoy, with liberty, meat lotion. I'm your man, okay? So I want you to write in, huh? You're more voluptuous, exactly. I want you to write in and let us know, give us your size, if it's, you know, the, the, the larger ones that we don't have. And then I will try to get an order in by Christmas. So we have uh, the podcast shirts. We just did a ton of them. Thanks to Andrew Polito, who's helping us get these out. Uh, they're available on the pod. They're available on the website. I think starting tomorrow. So this is going to come out two weeks from now. Uh, so feel free to order them. These are the shirts that are just um, the, uh, the just the logo. We're looking at a 10th anniversary shirt coming. All right. So we got all the way up from small, lady small, to double uh, XL. If you want more than double XL, you call the Goble. I'm your man. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, that's it. We got to go. I got to go to prayer. I'm a half hour late. Boys, great to be with you. Father Michael O'Loughlin, so good to have you home. Thanks, brother. We're going to have him back soon enough, uh, and uh, just great to have him back with us. So, Find the gap. Find the gap. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye.